amen. We are his. And this morning, we're going to baptize a few people. If my other two want to go ahead and come up too, my other two over there, go ahead and come up, stand by the drums here. It's one of my favorite parts of ministry is the public uh, proclamation of who they are in Jesus now. That old life is going down, the new life in Jesus coming up. And this is Remington. This is Remington right here who made Jesus the Lord of his life not too long ago. And we talked this morning in my office about baptism and what that means, and he understands it. Remington, you have confessed Jesus as your Savior, correct? He seems a little nervous. But we're excited for him. We're training him up in the ways of the Lord. I know his parents are proud. His family's here. We are proud of you, Remington. So this time, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you put your hand up on your nose there. All right, buddy. He's going to help you right there. Next, we have Morgan coming over. Let's scoot forward just a little bit. There you go. This is Morgan. I'm very proud of you. She actually grew up in this church as a little girl back in the day, right? And you're nervous as well. <laughs> Not too long ago, about a month ago, six weeks ago, they gave their life to the Lord right here at the altar. And we are excited about... We're excited about what God's doing in their relationship and in their life and in their children's lives. And we give all the glory for what he's doing. So Morgan, I ask you also, have you confessed Jesus as your savior? Yes, she has. So I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Come on in, Tyler. <laughs> this is Tyler same thing they both gave their lives to the Lord not too long ago up here at this altar and I remember meeting him out in the hallway for the very first time and this, this is no joke and I shared this a while back that he said I, I'm here to get my life turned around so he already knew coming in <laughs> And I thank Frank for pouring into him, but he knew. He knew the life that he was living was not what God had for him. So we're proud of him. And Tyler, you've also confessed Jesus as your Savior. And he's doing a work in his life, and he's bringing him closer and closer to him each day. And I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of you guys, your whole family. So I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah! We're going to have them come down here in the front, and as they continue singing, we're going to continue worshiping the Lord. We're going to congratulate them. Come by and shake their hands. Tell them you're proud of them. This is their church family, and we are here to help them grow. You guys want to come on down here. 
sing glory to his name glory to his name glory to you lord die for us and our sins Lord I pray that if there's anyone in this service that has not accepted your free gift of love and eternal life Lord I pray Lord that you would touch their heart I pray that your Holy Spirit would just reach down and break up the stones God that could be in our hearts Lord sometimes we get hard with life and I pray Lord that you are just going to work a miracle in this place. I thank you for the ones that were baptized today, Lord, that you've brought them to you. And I thank you so much for that. God, that's what we're about. That's what we want to see. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a burden for the lost soul, Lord. Help us to have that love, God, that only you can give. You're the only one, God, that can give us that love. We can't even understand it until we accept you. And I pray, Lord, that your will would be done in this house today. And I praise your holy name. Amen. Let's sing that one more time as we sing out. Glory to his name. Let's give God glory that's due his name. Glory to Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. God is good all the time and all the time. I never get that right. I get ahead of myself. And Man, love, 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 love what he's doing already in this place. His power's in this place. love getting to baptize people. I love the transforming power of the love of Jesus in people's lives. There's nothing like it. And if you're bored in church, you got a problem. And I'll hit on this later t- today, but if you're bored and you're, you're, it's, church is tedious and, and, and just slow for you, you, you have forgot why we're here. We are here to be encouraged we are here to reach the lost. And when the lost come to Jesus and they're baptized on a Sunday morning, that is what it's all about. <laughs> so 
We appreciate that so much. We appreciate this. Well, I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'll shut up. I'm just excited, excited about worship. You know, it's not, it's, not, it's not even about the worship we sing. It's not about the notes and all that stuff. It's not about if I preach a good message or not. If I give you some of the word of God, that's perfect, right? That's enough. <laughs> um, it's not even about the great meal we're going to have in Oasis tomorrow. <laughs> that's all part of it, but it's about reaching people for Jesus, we, we come in here as believers to encourage each other to be equipped to go out and reach the lost. And as we lead them to the Lord, we get to see the fruit of what he's doing in their life. But this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning for you guys that just got baptized. It's a commitment. A lifelong commitment. All right? All right, I'm getting ahead of myself. If you're a first-time guest in here this morning, will you, will you do me a favor and just throw your hand up real quick? Real quick. First-time guest, first time being here at Orchardville Church. This has been my home for, hey, I think it's seven years now, coming up right here. Seven years, this is a great place to call home. It's a great family to belong to. Uh, they will help you through so many things, so, so many things. Uh, they're there in the good times, they're there in the bad times, and God's there as well. So uh, thank you for being with us today. If you're a first-time guest, there's a card in the, seat, in the back of the seat in front of you. If you'll fill that out, turn it in at the welcome desk. We have a fantastic gift for you. You're not going to believe it. <laughs> Just fill out that card and turn it in, and you're going to get to see it. Turn it in at the welcome desk. And then you might get a message from me this week. So, um, What else? Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know some of you are probably thinking right now, I'm going to just cast that out of here right now, the evil thoughts in your head. Rick, you were not at camp work day yesterday. Well, shame on you in just a second. So yesterday, if you guys will recall last year, and this is my reasoning, I want to explain that to you so you don't think I just ditched out and... Didn't care about, you know, blood, sweat, and tears and everything that you guys went through yesterday. Uh, last year at this time, um, camp work day was when Jackson started having all of his symptoms. So my wife and I decided to take this first year off and not have to relive all that stuff by being here. So I appreciate you guys giving us some grace in that. And uh, yeah, so that's why we were not here yesterday. And, but I appreciate, I saw some pictures. I heard some great reports. You guys got a lot accomplished. So give yourselves a hand for that. Appreciate. I think Mark said there was around 50 people out here yesterday working on the grounds, getting things ready for our church camps this summer, and it is greatly, greatly appreciated, and you had a good meal too, I heard. And you know what else happened? Listen, we came together, to, well, you guys came together for camp work day to get some things accomplished. You know what God does sometimes? He goes above and beyond in our lives. Because yesterday, we had a young lady named Cadence in our youth group that gave her life to the Lord at Camp Workday. So. <laughs> She's right back there. And her aunt, Patricia, did that last week here at the altar. So we're thanking God for that. And I believe coming up here, we're going to baptize both of them, but out in the pond, me and Jake both. So that'll be fun. It'll be a little warmer than the last time I was in there. <laughs> So, awesome, awesome, awesome. Let's get into the Word this morning. 
Rescue team, final week of this series today. Um, we've talked about, will you answer the call? And I don't need to remind you that several of you raised your hands and said, I will be a part of this rescue team. I will, I will seek the lost is what we talked about in week two. And you said last week that I'm going to help Rick. I'm going to help pull them out and I'm going to give them Jesus. Remember last week we talked about that. Pull people out of the storms of life, pull them out from the pits of hell, the road of destruction that they're headed down and give them Jesus. We talked about that last week. This morning we're going to finish this up with help them get home. Help them get home. Okay. Help them. I said, help them instead of help them. It's, it's what we are around here. We're Southerns. <laughs> help them. So we've been following the story of the greatest small boat rescue ever in the history of the United States Coast Guard. And we've been making these connections to how this looks for us and our rescue team at the church. And we've been reading some excerpts out of the book, The Finest Hours. This is a true story as we've worked through this series over the last month. So if you have not seen any of these, it's your first time here, you can go to our Facebook page. You can catch up on the previous week's series. And we left, we left off last week with Bernie getting to the Pendleton and the passengers are all piling into a small rescue boat. His boat was made to hold 12 and now they have 36 people on it. Okay. He now has to get them home. So I'm going to read a little bit more throughout this message this morning from that book. And they were seriously overloaded, riding so low that it felt at times they were like they were riding in a submarine. They pointed their ship towards shore. These men had done so much. They had braved the Chatham Bar, they had navigated blind through a raging storm, and they had successfully rescued the men whose lives were in peril. However, their mission was not over yet. It was not over yet. The rescue would only be successful if they made it home. And that was going to be a challenge. There was still a fierce storm that they were in the middle of and some rough seas to still cross. When you bring someone to church... If you haven't brought somebody in a while, fix it, okay? When you bring someone to church, they experience the incredible power of salvation that we've seen here lately, when they experience that, when they repent of their sins, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done in my life, forgive me, the Lord forgives, and they're baptized in Jesus' name like this morning, right? But their journey is not finished, and all too often the church has failed in this moment, we are so excited that we get to put another number for the end of the year business meeting that we had 42 people saved this year. We had 47 baptized. What'd you do with the match of that? Nothing, but we had 42 people saved and we had 47 baptized. How many of them are still serving the Lord? I don't even know because we didn't help them after that. That's the state of a lot of churches. I'll say in America. We're so excited about the number, we're not so excited about the dirty work of discipleship. And that needs to be our heart, that we get them home. <sighs> it's not complete. Rescue is not complete until we get them home. When heaven's door closes behind us, then we, we can rejoice that we finally made it. We've made it, we've ran our race, and we've made it. But from now until then, we still have... They still have, we know we do, life storms to deal with. There's still stuff we're going to go through. And the men and women that are rescued from the storms of life need someone who will help them navigate the storms that are coming. 
Because as you give your life to the Lord, you don't walk out of here and everything's perfect and pretty roses and I just dance around in bliss all the time. You still have to go through life. You still have to face some things in life. The difference is you have God Almighty on your side now and the Holy Spirit within you that can help you through whatever you're facing. And they... They need to understand that. If we just get them saved and get them baptized and then we send them on their way, they will not understand how to walk in what they just decided to do. That's our responsibility. Can you imagine a young couple getting ready to give birth to their first child and they're in the hospital, they have the baby, the baby's in the little, what do they call it? Incubator, maternity ward, whatever. The place where you can look through the glass and see them. The nursery. <laughs> Whatever. I've seen them. I've been there. Okay. But can you imagine as a, as a couple having the baby, looking through the glass, seeing your precious little baby there, and then saying, well, we'll see you later. Don't stay out too late. We'll see you whenever you come home. You'd be crazy to do that. Right? Nobody does that because babies need nurtured, they need trained, they need taught, they need brought up just like new believers. That's crazy to think that we can just send them out there and they're going to be okay. We have to train them up. We have to disciple them. We have to nurture them. We have to help them grow. That's why we have the first mile discipleship process now for new believers in our church. We're going to help them. We've got mentors now that are going to walk alongside people and pour into them and let them know this is why you made this decision and this is how you walk it out. And that's so crucial. I'm so, I'm so happy that we have that and I'm so happy we had 40-some people in the church say, I want to be a part of that team. Now some of you are like, only 40-something? Yeah, that's what we have. I'm thankful for that because they're stepping up to say, I will help rescue people and I will help get them home. I will be a part of that. Guess what? It's never too late to join that team. <laughs> you want to be a part of it, I can get you a book that you go through, that you look at, and that you can be a mentor as well for people. Because that's what we're all called to do. They need some hands. They need some hands-on help, and the church has to realize that the rescue mission is not finished yet. It's our job to help them make it home. Back to Bernie and this story. As they slowly moved back towards home, Bernie tried the radio and was shocked to discover that he now had contact with the Chatham station. He gave a report of, the, of his situation, told them that he had rescued 32 men and that he was trying to find his way home without any navigational aids in a boat that was seriously overloaded. The Coast Guard station proposed a different plan. They asked Bernie to turn aside and make his way to the other wreck site where a larger boat could relieve him of part of his load. But Bernie decided that without navigational equipment, his best chance at survival was to head home. So Bernie and his crew made up their minds. The boat they were on was capable and they were already underway. For the, all they knew, the larger boat would never materialize. If they turned aside, they might never make it out of the storm. They were headed in the right direction. And there was no way they were turning aside. Bernie put the radio down and returned his attention to the challenge in front of them. Now, you guys know as well as I do that every new worshiper... Every new believer is going to be faced with the invitation after they walk out of here to turn all this aside and say, no, nah, I just can't do that. I'm going to go back to my old life. It happens as soon as they hit the parking lot that the enemy is going to try to pull them right back and say, you didn't get anything. You didn't really get what you just confessed. These are the people out here in the world that really care about you. 
And if the church is not stepping up to show that encouragement, to show that discipleship, they're going to go to that other group of people that they're familiar with. But this is their family now, and this family needs to act like family and disciple new believers. Help get them home. We don't want them to return to the life they came from or to seek some better opportunity. When that time comes, there needs to be someone on the journey with them that can remind them that this is stability. That this is what you need in your life. Jesus is the foundation we build our lives on. He is the foundation. He has us. He cares for us. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us in the middle of our storm. And they need to know that he is all that they need. He's it. There's an old song, old hymn. And some of my family's here today, and they're going to recognize this because we sang this. He's all I need. And I was going to attempt to sing it, but... The way my voice has been cracking so much lately. <laughs> but it just says, he's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. He is. And they need to understand that. Philippians 4.19, this isn't on your screen. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's all we need. There's no time to, to go seeking something else. In those times, a new believer needs a disciple maker. They need someone that's pouring into them, that's helping them out in life, and there's a friend that they can always talk to. <clears throat> if you've ever been on a, on a tour to a strange city or a nation, then you, you really quickly come to realize how important it is to have a local guide with you. <laughs> right? Anybody been there? A good tour guide makes all the difference in the world when you're visiting a place that you've never been before. Now, some of us men are stubborn and we just say, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll, I'll get us where we need. I'll, I'll do it. Just chill out, wife. And 30 minutes later, we still don't know what we're doing. Humble yourself, gentlemen. A good guide will take you to all the same sites that you could have gone to by yourself, but it is the richness of the, of the history, the detail that makes the experience so great. You know, without the tour guide's voice, it's, it's, it's all just this architectural stuff, this, this history, and it's a good tour, but it doesn't really bring everything to life like a local person can, a tour guide can. And you can go see all these things, but without the tour guide... You're not going to really know what's behind, what the story is behind everything. You need the tour guide to help you out. Jesus commanded all of his disciples in every generation to go and make disciples. We're called to make disciples and our rescue mission is not finished just because we bring someone to church or even help them pray through at the altar. That's not, we're not done. We're going to have to actively help them, encourage them, compel them, lift them up when they're down. Does it take some effort? Yes. Have we got lazy as the church? Yes. The church as a whole, we are, we are lazy in this. And there is nothing, I'll be honest, there's nothing easy about discipling. Because guess what? You've got to give extra time. Who has that? I'll just throw in there, you make time what's, for what's important to you. Everybody does it, okay? So it takes some time. It takes some effort. It takes some dirty work sometimes to help 
Think about this. They're coming out of a life of sin where they did whatever they wanted to do, however they wanted to do it. And then you think they're just going to clean up just like that. You know what? Just like you, they're still going to make some mistakes as they're figuring this out. We still make them today. As people that have been in the faith for a long time, we still make mistakes. Okay? So it takes some time. It takes some effort. It takes a little bit of dirty work to help them out uh, and to pick them up when they need picked up. It takes, you know, encouragement. How many of you enjoy encouraging people? Some of you. I'm going to give some to you so you can feel what it feels like. It's good to get encouragement. The task that Bernie and his crew were faced with was nearly impossible. And all too often, it's going to be the same way as you try to win a soul to Jesus. Everything in the world is going to conspire against you. Oh, I couldn't make it to church. I told them I'd meet them there. Oh, I couldn't do this. I I couldn't meet them to do this with them because I had something. Everything the enemy will try to do to try to, to, to ruin that discipleship process, he will do it. The world's going to offer them as they walk out the door all kinds of substitutes, many different options, anything to get them to turn aside and come back to the world. But you, we have to have the same kind of tenacity that Bernie has in this story, that no matter what, I'm going to get them home. No matter what, I'm going I'm to make sure they get to see Jesus. I'm going to help them in this walk. I'm going to make sure they don't quit. A new believer, and again, I said this earlier, is still going to face things in the world. They're still going to struggle with things. They're still going to have to go through things. And it's still going to be a battle. But like I said, we have the Lord on our side now. Now, as we go through these things, as a new believer goes through things, th- these things, Ryder, come here for a second. I won't pick on Aaron today. Okay? He's a new believer. Let's just say Ryder's a new believer, all right? Now, he goes back out in the world after he's here at Orchardville Church. He accepts the Lord. He goes back out into the world. And immediately, I'm telling you, it happens so quick sometimes, the enemy starts trying to tell him, you're no good. All those people are nuts. Church Alive is worth a drive is just a phony thing. And he's going to come up against some things. And he may even come up against something totally devastating in his life right off the bat. Now, as a new believer that isn't sure how to walk this out, that has no idea that you're still going to have to face some storms in his life, guess what might happen to Ryder because of that? Because he had nobody to help him. He had nobody to disciple him, nobody to help him in this walk and let him know, man, you're still going to face some things, but I want to tell you some things. I'm going to help you with some things. If he doesn't have that, when he goes back out in the world and something big comes up against him, he will crumble and he will fall. And it's going to be so much easier for him to go back to what he was doing before because he doesn't know any other way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we have to pour that into him. Now, a lot of times we just say, oh, we lost one. Haven't lost another one. Is that how it goes? No, it should not be that way. It's hell lost another one. And in order for that to happen, we walk it out with them. Now, if Ryder walks out of here on a Sunday and he has somebody by his side, Brandon, come here. Brandon has been assigned to be his mentor. 
He comes alongside of him. Before he leaves the building, he's got somebody in his corner. He's got a whole church full in his corner, but he has somebody personally that's going to help him out. And before he leaves here, they've already set up a time where we're going to talk, we're going to meet, and I'm going to show you what this is all about. And he's going to pray with him before he leaves the building as well. You're my brother, you're my friend, I'm here for you. So anything at all happens, you've got my number, I'm here. How much more likely is he to stick with what he just decided in here now that he's got somebody in his corner? He's got somebody in his corner that says, I can, you can cast all your cares on the Lord, he's going to sustain you. That no weapon formed against you is going to prosper, Ryder, because God's got you. And there's victory in Jesus. As we're pouring these things into these people that are coming in and knowing Jesus for the first time, we are discipling and we are helping them get home. Thank you, gentlemen. We've got to be committed to that soul for the long haul. For the long haul, no turning aside, no detours, no, I don't have time to help you this week. Got to push through, stay with them. And together, you know, in that illustration, Brandon can say together, you mean you, Ryder, we're going to make heaven our home. I'm going to help you get there. Apostle Peter said that believers have been called 1 Peter 2, 9. I'll let you get there if you want to get there. I got a few short scriptures to share this morning. 1 Peter 2 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness, praise God, and into his marvelous light. Peter, he apparently understood that spiritual immigrants would have a challenge. When you're a brand new believer, you're in a foreign land now, right? You need a tour guide. You need some help. They were leaving one land for another land, from darkness to light and leaving one culture for another culture. This is all different to me. This is different. This is new. How much easier is it to make the transition from one kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light if you're accompanied by a tour guide who is discipling you? It's much easier. It's much more of a help. Matthew 28, 19, 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So be it. I'm with you. When Jesus said, go make disciples, he understood that new believers are going to need somebody to help them get home. They're going to need somebody to help them, to show them the ropes, to teach them the customs, to explain why we do the things we do. You know what? The sights and sounds of a church that's alive and active can be overwhelming to people at times. And when we use these Christian, Christianese terms and things like that, if you're a brand new person that's never been in church and you hear somebody singing about, thank you for the blood that was wa I was washed in. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> they have no idea. But remember, we're trying to reach the lost. But when you come into Orchardville Church, my expectations of a pa as a pastor of this church, as long as I'm the pastor of this church, is we will be a church that's alive. And we will strive to be 
active in letting God do what he wants to do in our services, in our lives. But again, that can be, you know, if if a person comes in and sees somebody just praising the Lord, shouting, Carlin gets them to shout, everybody yell Jesus, and they're like, what is going on in this place? But a lot of times, that speaks to people's hearts because they know it's real. Now, if you're in here doing a lot of stuff in the flesh that God has no part of, that's going to cause confusion and make people walk out. And God's a God of order. He doesn't do that. So as long as we're flowing where God wants us to flow in things, their hearts won't be so blown away by it. Their hearts will actually come to this altar and say, I want what these people have in this church. And then we give them somebody that's going to guide them, a guide that's going to help them step by step. And again, that is our job as believers. Let's jump back to Bernie here. There was no talking aboard the lifeboat while Bernie attacked the seas ahead. As the lifeboat motored on, the seas began to change. The waves were not as heavy, nor were they spread as far apart as they had been. The boat was now moving through shallow waters. By no means, though, were they out of danger. They still had the Chatham Bar to navigate. Bernie was weighing his options when he noticed what appeared to be flashing, a flashing red light in the distance. At first, he wasn't sure what it was. Perhaps it was a stray buoy or an aircraft warning signal atop a radio tower or some other anomaly. Bernie rubbed his tired, salt-burned eyes. At one moment, the light seemed to be well over their heads, and another it appeared to be well below the lifeboat. As they got closer, Bernie ordered the men to turn the searchlight back on. They were shocked to discover that the blinking red light was coming from atop the buoy that was positioned inside the Chatham Bar. Somehow they had crossed the Chatham Bar without even realizing it. Together they had sailed through the worst of the storm. And at that point, Bernie began to give thanks to God for bringing them safely home. Before the long lights of the pier were in view, only there, only there was more light than normal. The townsfolk had heard that they were sailing without navigation aids and had driven out to the pier, turned on their headlights, and shined them across the waters of the harbor in hopes of helping the boys navigate safely home. That's church. That is the church helping people navigate their way safely home to heaven. Help them get home. I read a a story this week about a little boy, and he's in his bedroom at night, and there's a thunderstorm going on. And you don't have to be a little boy to be scared of thunderstorms, right, adults? But he heard a loud clap of thunder. And he took off running into his mom and dad's bedroom, jumped in their bed. And his dad's like, hey, son, what's going on? What's up? He said, well, dad, I heard a a loud clap of thunder. And I I just, I heard the thunder. It was so loud. I just had to come in here and and, and I wanted to be safe. He says, dad said, well, son, you know, Jesus is, is with you in your room. He said, I know, dad, but right now I need someone with skin on. That's exactly what a new believer needs. Jesus with skin on. That's us. That's me and you. It's our job collectively to help them get home. We're supposed to show them the way. That's what Paul expressed when he wrote uh, to the Corinthian Christians. 1 Corinthians 11.1. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Jesus. That's how you become Jesus with skin on to a new believer. 
You say, listen, I'm trying, to follow, I'm trying my best each day. I'm not perfect. I don't expect you to be perfect, but I'm trying my best to follow Jesus. Follow me as I follow him. Right? We follow Jesus so we can help them get home. Jesus said, if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. A disciple maker is like a tour guide who leads the new believer into a new and undiscovered life. The disciple maker follows Jesus and invites the new believer to follow them. And with that in mind, you and I have to recognize that we have a great responsibility in that towards souls that are being rescued from this world. We have a responsibility. A disciple maker must be someone worth following. We'll get a little tough right here, okay? You've got to be worth following. It's not necessary for someone who wants to make disciples to be perfect. I'm not saying that. If that was the case that we had to be perfect, none of us would get to disciple anybody. However, the most important thing about a leader-follower relationship is that the leader is always staying a few steps ahead. Right? If you're going to lead others, if you're going to help others navigate their way home to heaven, then you've got to develop a little bit of spiritual maturity yourself. If I had a bottle and a steak right here, I would show you something. If you're in the, you've been in the, the business of being a believer for a long time and you're still drinking milk... That's a problem. You should be on the meat. Tearing into a steak because you're growing in the Lord every single day. And you don't have to be held up by other believers all the time as a crutch. Like Mark Shell used to say, you know how to walk it out on your own. You can't depend on other people's faith all the time to hold you up. Grow in the Lord. Teens, you can't hang on to your mom and dad's faith all, all through life and expect that to be good. You have to develop it for yourself. Work out your own salvation. Okay? It was Barnabas who intentionally sought out the young, excited believer from Tarsus, Tarsus named Saul. When Saul was rejected by the church in Jerusalem because they had a hard time believing that he could change. Hello, church. That person got saved? I don't believe it. Believe it. That's the power of God. Don't doubt it. Instead of doubting them, help them. Help them walk it out. It was Barnabas who put his own good reputation on the line and personally brought him to the church in Antioch. It was in this local church dynamic where Saul was accepted. He developed his gifts and grew into a mighty man of God because someone took a chance and discipled him. Without the disciple-maker relationship with, with, uh, with this Barnabas, with the relationship with him, Saul would have never developed into such a great apostle. We don't know the next person that God's bringing in here to serve him, to give his heart to him. We don't know what that person's going to do. They could be the next worldwide evangelist. They could be the next great worship leader. I'll say anointed worship leader. We can sing great music and not be anointed and it's nothing. Okay? For praise team would come. I'm going to get fired up again. <laughs> I want to close with a story that many of us, again, in the church for a while have, have, have heard. But back in, in Jesus' time, Jews would go miles out of their way to avoid journeying through Samaria. But Jesus knew that there was a woman at Jacob's well who was hungry for the truth. Remember, seek the lost. So he went to the well and he waited and while he waited, he sent his disciples away to go gather lunch. And while they were gone, he ministered to the Samaritan woman. And once they returned, 
After expressing their shock, I cannot believe you're talking to her. They offered him some of the food they had obtained to eat. And Jesus' response was curious to them. In John 44, 32, he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. The most fulfilling thing, one of the most, I think it is the most fulfilling thing in life is to share Jesus with somebody else. There is something about leading somebody to the Lord and praying with them and hearing them repeat those things and knowing what they're coming out of into God's light. There's nothing more fulfilling than to lead someone to Jesus. And again, as we do that, there's spiritual nourishment. He's talking about this food. There's there's encouragement that is loosed in your life when you share your faith. And the reason, again, like I said in the beginning, the reason why church can get so boring or tedious or dull to you is because you've forgotten what church is all about. And again, it's not about the singing is great. It's great to worship the Lord together. It's good to have delicious meals together. It's, It's good to hear the word. But again, when we come in here as believers, it's about us being equipped It's about us being encouraged, and it's about us sharing Jesus with the lost world. You guys will stand this morning. We have to know that our rest, our refreshing, comes in us sharing our faith and leading people to Jesus. And then through that, as we seek the lost, as we pull them out of the pit that they're in and we give them Jesus, we don't stop there. We help them get home to heaven. I want to see everybody in this room there. I want to see the people watching online. I haven't seen you in person maybe, but I want to see you in heaven. I want to know you're there and that you made it. So as you bow your heads this morning, first I'm just going to ask the the Holy Spirit to just pierce the hearts of someone in here that may be an unbeliever. You don't know Jesus as your Savior. You're not sure about all this stuff. You, you came in here for the first time. Maybe you're, at, you're ever in a church service. And I'm just going to briefly tell you what God did for you. If you're in the middle of something that you're struggling, you've, you've, you've tried everything in life, and everything has been a dead end and still left you empty. Drugs didn't do it. Alcohol didn't do it. Pornography didn't do it. Affairs, cheating on your spouse, cheating on whoever, that didn't do it for you. Relationships didn't do it for you. Nothing the world has to offer so far has filled the void that you still have in your heart. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God did something for you. Because of the sin, we all fall short of God's glorious standard because we're all sinners. Okay? What God did, that separates us from God, what he did was he made a way for us to have communion, to have fellowship with him, to know him. And how he did that was through his son Jesus, his one and only son. He sent Jesus to this earth to live to die for you, to forgive you of all of your, all the things that you're dealing with right now, all of your past, all of your mistakes, all of your hurts, Jesus died for you. To forgive you of all that, to wipe your slate clean, to give you a fresh start this Sunday morning, May 7th, 2023. Jesus died, he was buried, but death cannot keep down the son of God. 
He, gave, he had victory. He rose from the grave. He ascended back into heaven and he now sits at the right hand of God. And guess what? He's interceding on our behalf. When we cry out to God, Jesus is interceding and he's hearing us. So this morning, if you don't know the Lord as your savior, I'm gonna invite you to come to this altar and know Jesus as your savior. Your life can change completely today. So Father, right now, Holy Spirit, move in people's hearts that don't know you today. Father, maybe it's somebody that's been in the church for a long time. God, they have never surrendered their heart to you. Lord, I pray for people to respond this morning. If you're here, you need healing in your body. You have a, a, just a need in your life. We're gonna pray together and we're gonna believe together. We're gonna stand in agreement that God's gonna move in your situation because God loves us and he cares for us. So as they worship and we sing, Father, do what you wanna do in this place. Anything the enemy's trying to do, Father, we kick him right out of here in the name of Jesus. He has no authority here. So devil, whatever heart you're trying to grab a hold of, whatever mind you're trying to wrap yourself around right now in the name of Jesus, go! Out of this place. You have no authority. We are victorious in Jesus. Have your way in this place, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.
not too foolish or naive to think that everybody in here knows the Lord, knows Jesus as your Savior. But the thing about the Lord is he is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on anyone. And I'm not going to force you to choose him today because that's your decision. But uh, we're going to sing just a little bit more. And I've asked him to do part, out, part of the song that we sang earlier. And it just, I don't know, it just speaks to my heart, this song does. It's, it's powerful. It's anointed. And as believers, I want you to sing it out. And I'm just going to give a few more minutes for anybody that doesn't know Jesus as your Savior. I've, t- I've told you guys I'm a lot more bold than this now since Jackson passed away that I want people to know the Lord. I don't want anybody to miss out on heaven. I don't want you to miss out on God's love while you're here on this earth. I don't want you to walk around defeated. I don't want you to go through life alone. So if you're here as we sing this song, we're going to shout it out. We're going to sing it from a place that we understand what God's brought us through, what Jesus has done for us. And sometimes all we can do is just throw up our hands and sing hallelujah and shout the name of Jesus and thank him. So we're going to do that as we close out. And I'm going to encourage you, if you're here, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you are not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Make a decision for Jesus this morning. If you've walked away from him, come back home. Let us help you get home. Let us be there for you. Let the Lord fix what's been broken in your life. So let's worship, and again, just a few more minutes. If you, if it's you, you don't know the Lord, please come. Or if you've walked away from Him, please come home. Please come home to Him this morning. Come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your
we praise you and we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives and in our families, God, though, how you're drawing us closer to you, Father. And Lord, I pray as we answer this call, as we understand in our own hearts that I, am, I have not answered the call. I'm not, I'm not leading people to Jesus. That we'd answer that call, we'd take it serious, we'd have the burden for the lost people around us. God, that we would seek those that are hungry for you. And Father, that we would pull them up. Father, give us the reality of the place that they're headed to, God. Lord, that we would reach out a hand and pull them out of that, God, and give them Jesus, Father. Not just give them Jesus, your son, but we would walk with them and we would help them get home. And Father, let them know that there's a life, a life to be lived in you that is exceedingly, abundantly more than we can ask for. I praise your name, Jesus. I thank you. Amen and amen. I'm telling you guys, and I've told our staff this for a while now, that God's doing something. God's stirring some things up here. And we're seeing evidence of things we've been praying for. We're seeing new people come in. We're seeing God save people. We're seeing things happen. But I've also told them to be careful. And this goes for you too and your family. In your household, watch out for things the enemy is going to try to do to disrupt the unity of his church, of God's church. Watch out. Be on the lookout for those things because when God's moving, you can guarantee the enemy hates it. And he will try to trip you up. He will try to just weasel his way in and any kind of opening that you give him for, to disrupt what, he's trying to, what God's trying to accomplish in his church. So I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm excited about the unity of the church. I'm excited that it's all about him in this place. And I'm excited about what he's about to do, what he's doing, but we're on the verge of something big and a breakthrough for what God wants to do around here. So cling close to him, keep growing in him, and watch what happens. Expecting, okay? Invite some people. Call me, let me know what he's doing in your life. If something happens this week. If you need prayer this week, give me a call up here at the church. Let us know. We'll be praying for you. Uh, but I am anticipating a big, big, big move of God through this place. And not just in here, but in the community as we go back to our communities. Okay? Be Jesus to people out there. Be Jesus. Be somebody with skin on them. <laughs> we are Jesus with skin. We all have skin. <laughs> be Jesus with skin on them to people that need it in the world. And there's a lot of them. You are not dismissed. You are sent. Take it seriously. Let's go.